Kia ora, I'm Vincent Herringer and welcome to This Climate Business. Every week we talk to people turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Follow us on social media and please rate the show as it helps others to find us. Hope you enjoy the programme. Hello, I'm Ross Ingalls. Electric cars are on a bit of a roll in New Zealand. In 2018, just over 1% of new cars registered here were electric. Today, almost one in four new cars has a plug. Price, government policy and plenty of other things will influence that growth, but a national network of charging points is essential. A Hamilton-based company, armed with its own charger design, is taking on the mission of building just such a network. The company is Hikatron, and we're talking today with co-founder Stephanie Smits O'Callaghan. Stephanie, welcome to this climate business. Perhaps we could start by asking you to explain Hikatron and what you do. Yes, thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting to be here on the podcast. Yeah, so Hikatron, we're a technology company and we provide EV charging solutions. A lot of people ask me, where does the name come from? So that's quite an interesting um, way to start. So Hikatron being a fusion of two, two words, Hiko meaning electricity or lightning bolt in Māori, and Tron, sort of the nickname of Hamilton, which is where we were born. So that's quite a nice sort of fusion of the two words, but also a play on Electron. Mm. So that works pretty well for us. Hikatron was founded by myself and two other co-founders, Ron and Larry, um, and we sort of spent a lot of time in Europe. We've seen that sort of EV adoption wave there, and we've sort of taken all our learnings um, from there and sort of brought it back and sort of uh, co-founded Hikatron, and that's sort of where a lot of what we do comes from. Um, so we yeah, design and build and manufacture all our charges here in New Zealand in Hamilton, so we're quite proud of that. Um, and our mission is really to provide convenient, um, reliable, and really simple EV charging. Right. And you're in revenue already. You have a charging network up and running and it's growing. We do, yeah. We have 106 charge points operational. Uh, That's both in the sort of public, as part of a public network space, um, and also in private commercial spaces. Uh, So, yeah, we are are revenue generating. We are Mm. sort of active. We have charges in in that space. Um, so, yeah, we're pretty proud of what we've achieved since our founding in 2020. Right. And the other thing I understand is that you both lease charges and you operate as a charge point operator. You charge as a service. Can you talk to that? Yes, we do. So we really want to create um, charges in the public space that um, people can turn up and sort of download an app and use the charger instantly. It's really important to be able to do that, especially when um, you know, you're out and about in a different space. Um, you want to be able to turn up to a charger and, and, and get it going. So, yeah, you download an app um, and you can basically start the charger via the app and you pay for that through the mobile app. And actually most chargers in New Zealand and, and sort of in other countries are actually operated in that way. Mm. Um, it's sort of an easy way to sort of, you know, manage a network that's unmanned. It's not really like the petrol forecourt model. Chargers are dotted everywhere we need to be able to get them going and that's especially true when we think about tourists and things like that people that are sort of turning up and need that that charge instantly so that's how we we sort of do it on the other hand we do have a lease model so that's really for spaces like commercial spaces or maybe multi-tenanted dwellings um, where you are not really we're not making revenue on selling power um, for example we're actually just um, leasing the equipment and so that's then for the site owner to manage that charger. So they might want to generate their own revenue and manage that themselves. It might be in an instance where a company wants to sort of allow staff to charge their vehicles or you might have a fleet that you want to manage. And that's something that we can we can work with the site owner to do. Um, so we offer a lease option, which is $79 a month. Um, and we can then act as your EV charging partner. And what that means is that we help you with the installation 
Uh, we help you with the ongoing management of the charger and then sort of maintenance and sort of things like that going on. So really become that sort of expert uh, to hand for the for the company or the site. Mm. Um, so why build your own chargers? Why not resell somebody else's? Yeah, that's a great question. So we um, actually set out thinking about that just that we wanted to actually use some other technology that we could just install mm. um, because when we founded Hikatron my husband had this idea of what he wanted it to do and how he wanted it to work but it wasn't really something that we could see that was on the shelf now we did try and work with other existing manufacturers to maybe create something new but we weren't getting very far with that and so he actually had a flying comment and said well it can't be that be hard my friend Larry could do this and I said well why don't you ask him and so that was kind of the founding founding of our team and um, he sort of messaged Larry and he said oh yeah give me a few weeks and with that he had parts ordered and and we had a prototype up and running in a couple of months so um, it really was out of you know the frustration of we knew what we wanted this thing to do. It needed to be smart. It needed to be robust. It really needed to be suitable for that public multi-user space. Um, and yeah, being Kiwi, they were like, well, we'll just do it ourselves. <laughs> so it is based on things that we have learned from overseas. We've seen it there, but we just didn't see that in the New Zealand market. Right. So this is this is the the way that New Zealanders like to think of themselves <laughs> as backyard innovators, right? We built our own charger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is based on a lot of things that we see over overseas. We're not reinventing the wheel completely, mm. but where we um, see we can improve things, so certain features like addressing common EV charger pain points, um, and also things with software, making them really smart. That's where um, the Hikatron charger really sort of um, has huge amount of features um, that we can sort of be very proud of. Um, designing and building ourselves yeah mm. i suppose there's a bit of a um chicken and egg dynamic in your business in the sense that you're relying on the market to grow to expand your business mm. more electric cars and the general public is waiting on a charging network to before they go ahead and buy those cars is, is that how it plays yes definitely um definitely a chicken and egg i think um if charging infrastructure is in an area, it definitely does help people make that move. It gives them the confidence. I think a big uh, problem now with people making that switch is saying, you know, oh, the infrastructure is not ready. Um, you know, I'm going to wait until it is. But I think actually if you did ask someone who doesn't drive an EV, you know, where it actually is your nearest EV charger, I think the op- op- often they couldn't answer that question. Mm. So um, I think there is sort of a lack of education. There's a big piece there that we need to kind of work on to kind of make it that awareness, you know, more broad. However, um, we've got a lot of work to do, so I'm not saying that you know we've got all our charges ready and, and we're perfect. There definitely needs to be more um, infrastructure put in the ground. What we do see in New Zealand and in other markets as well is that the infrastructure doesn't keep up with the uptake of electric vehicles. So electric vehicles start booming and it's really slow to get infrastructure in the ground. It's just complicated and a lot more sort of um, stakeholders involved in, it, in doing that. Right. So, so, yeah. so do you, is it, for example, resource consent sometimes? Um, it's actually more sort of getting power to locations. Right. And then also, um, yeah, the sort of land agreement with, say, the landlord or maybe it's the sort of council. So, yeah, it's those agreements. Yeah, resource consent can play into it mm. in certain areas. Um, definitely more sort of sensitive areas will require resource consent. But it's more sort of the power connection, actually, that is is a bigger hold up. So can mm. we get power to that location, run cables? Does it need a new power source and things like that? That's actually quite complicated. Right. Um, charger anxiety is a thing. We read about it all the time. So do, do, you, do you think it really is real in New Zealand? Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I think we 
we often hear about range anxiety. So, you know, people... Sorry, worry. range anxiety. That is yeah, the term I meant. It is, mm. yeah, but, but retarder anxiety is the thing. So range anxiety means you are trying to... Um, well, basically, when you get your EV, you're, you're sort of not... Um, confident in how far it can go mm. you might need to get used to sort of the range basically of the vehicle um, making it from A to B um, however I think after having your EV for about two to three weeks you get over that you have confidence in what it can do and, and it, it's fine and actually EVs are coming out with a bigger range now so that's actually becoming less of a problem however uh, like you said charger anxiety so um, once you get to a charger, will that act, that charger actually work? Will I be able to connect? Or even worse, will it be occupied? So is it available? Because um, a 20-minute charging session can turn into 40 minutes very quickly if you're there waiting to get onto the charger. So I think queuing will become a big, big problem uh, right. that we face. And how do you fix that? Yeah, so we've got we've got some good ideas at Hecatron. So more charges in the ground <laughs> is is obviously a good way, good way to do that. Just because if you think you arrive to a site to charge, if you've got say two heads or even worse one head that you can connect to um, the chances of one being out of order or one being occupied is very high now if we turn that into six heads in one location again those chances of um, reliability really really increase so we really want to get those sort of number of heads in the ground Um, queuing I think again that sort of solves that issue but it's about education as well Um, there's this sort of fact that when you're charging at a charger, and I think this is more to do with fast charging, you shouldn't really go above 80% of your battery's charge because mm. the last 20% takes almost just as long as the first 20 to 80% to charge. So it's really sort of about education, people moving on, and really only topping up to the, to the amount that you need, not to 100%. So education will play a big, big role in that. Mm. Um What's the competitive landscape here? And I'm, I'm particularly interested to hear about what the response is from the um, gas station chains. Yes. Um, so I think there's a lot happening in the, say, fast charging space in New Zealand. Um, so we've got the sort of um, largest provider, which is ChargeNet, doing great things. Um, they've sort of got a network all throughout New Zealand. Um, like you said, the fossil fuel industry is sort of also catching on. Said Energy are doing good things in this space, but they are sort of putting charges in their existing sites, so the existing petrol stations. Um, that's great, but I think not a lot of the time they can only really work with putting one or two charges in that space. And often I think EV drivers don't really love going to petrol stations to charge just because, you know, they're smelly. <laughs> EV drivers are very unused to toxicity in, in that space. So um, that doesn't really suit us. But also it, it's not really designed for an EV. You know, you're sort of shoehorned into this in this corner of the site. And also the uh, amenities probably don't suit an EV charging um, dwell time so you know popping in for a coffee and coming back to your car isn't really enough time to do something else so a lot of the time these locations aren't really thinking about that um, so yeah BP and, and sort of said a, a sort of t- um, ticking box by putting charges in but I think there's maybe more to be done on how we make that a real EV driver environment Right so, mm-hmm. so that talks to maybe like Retail or cafes? Yeah, exactly. So that's the fast charging space. So coming to the AC charging space, which is really where Hecatron's focused its energy, um, that's really sort of thinking about charging while you're parked. So in a passive way, I like to call it passive charging. Um, So EV charging gives us this amazing opportunity that we don't all need to go to the petrol forecourt to fill up um, like we're used to. And actually, this is a really hard habit to break. So the minute you start, um, you know, with your EV, you, you actually 
do continue that habit. You go to a fast charger, you think you want to fill up and you have this sort of anxiety of needing to go to 100%. But with passive charging or with AC charging, I can actually plug in while I'm doing other things. So um, I might be at a meeting, I might be on a podcast and I could be charging in the background um, while I'm, I'm parked at the car park mm. or at work or things like that. So that's really the most convenient place to, to charge. It's also really great for the grid because we're charging slowly. It's a trickle sort of charge or at seven kilowatt. That's pretty fast because it's still about four times the speed of your home charger. Um, so this is really where we should be focusing our charging habits. But it is a really hard habit to break. Um, sort of, you know, wanting to sort of plan ahead a bit. You know, where can I plug in while I do other things? That's really important to sort of plan that ahead and do it. And then you can get it right. But it does take a big change. Yeah. You do see um, supermarkets, for example, shopping yes. malls, yep. offering free charging. Indeed. How do you how do you counter that? Yeah, so that is definitely something that we've seen, and and it is obviously you know it's hard to compete with free, definitely. However, we think there's a few sort of pitfalls to free charging. Um, a lot of the time, it will be sort of the token few charges in the car park. Um, and, you know, it's great if you're the first person to get them, but they're often not well managed. So a lot of the time you see people sort of sitting in them, hogging them. So they're not really available. Um, and if you're really looking to charge and you're trying to plan your day around um, getting a charge or it might be part of your sort of weekly charge, that's really not going to be very convenient for you. So I think a sort of a well-versed or a mature EV driver kind of avoids free charges because they're always busy they're not well managed if they're broken down there's not really a massive incentive to get them up and running again so they're lots a lot often sort of in disrepair and things like that so we do see a big problem there and I think um, if you really want to charge you want to plan your charging session you'd much rather pay to then have a really good experience rather than sort of hunting out these free charges so I think it's definitely there it's something we are aware of um, hard to compete with in a certain way but we definitely think um, it it won't be sort of a hindrance because a good experience will definitely trump free in the future. Right, right, yeah, right. Definitely. And presumably all this kind of is what you'd expect in a maturing market. We're taking baby steps into something that in the next generation will be standard. Yes, definitely, definitely. I, I think a, mu a mature market will sort of things will change. We already see that in overseas markets that there was a lot of free charging and it's moved away from that. Um, and it is, like I said, it is about sort of finding those locations where it's really convenient to charge. So you mentioned, you know, supermarkets. Um, that was a natural first step because everyone sort of filled up their um, car during their weekly shop. Um, and that was kind of a natural step for EV charging. But if you think about um, the majority of trips to a supermarket, a lot of people are probably coming from home or after work to the supermarket doing their shop and then going back home, which in the majority of cases, people will be able to charge at home. So it kind of defeats the object of why are we actually stopping in the supermarket to do that job, that step. Obviously, people that don't have you know, a driveway and things like that, that might suit them well. But I think we've got to think about, you know, what are these trips we're making? Where is the, is the most convenient place to charge? And actually, that one sort of makes less sense. <laughs> hmm. um, you, you're in a good position to demystify the alphabet soup of <laughs> yeah. standards around e-card charging. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned AC, DC. Could mm -hmm. you untangle that for us? But also there's different charging standards yes. out there, type type 1 and type 2, yes. is that right? Yes. Can you kind of explain that for us? Yeah, yeah, I'll try my best to make it as less technical as possible because mm. it really can get a bit techy. But yeah, AC and DC. So 
DC is linked to fast charging, so it's a higher speed of charging. It's also generally more expensive. There's a lot more technology to go into a fast charger just because of the higher speeds. A lot of the time there needs water cooling as well because it's sort of fast, you know, we're dealing with a lot of heat there. So that also, the the sort of technicality of DC is that the um, charger has to communicate directly with the vehicles on board battery and so there is a sort of a communication software point that happens there so there is a lot more complexity um, and so the, the car tells the charger you know I, I can receive X amount of power because cars can charge at different speeds um, and then they have that sort of handshake and that communication. Um, so with, um, with AC um, it's sort of linked to sort of a slower means of charging we can connect to a domestic supply um, and what's happening there is that the power is taken through the cars on board charger so there's no real sort of software engagement um, it's all happening through the car so less software less technology going on it's just a simpler sort of technology really right. and so a lot of the time with ac you can connect to a lot in a lot more places because yeah. it's connecting to that domestic supply we're not used needing that really high speed power connection so less expensive again um, but also it's real sort of less pressure on that upstream infrastructure so getting a fast charger on dc installed really requires a lot more in terms of infrastructure transformers the sort of upwards grid really does get more complex so we really got to think about where do we place these chargers in the sense that is power available? Does it make sense to put a fast charger there? Um, and in other places, you know, we need to put slow chargers because it's just more efficient to get them in the ground. It's easier to do. So AC really fits that that space. So those are the sort of differences between AC and DC. So one being a bit slower, domestic, the other being a really high speed fast charger. Because I do get asked a lot of the time, you know, why don't we put fast chargers everywhere? <laughs> and, mm. and, and that's the answer. It's mm. cost, it's efficiencies, and actually you just maybe won't get the power to that location. It's just not right. going to work. Yeah, it's a question mm -hmm. of you don't, yeah. you don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. you're in the AC space. Yes, we are, yeah. And could you move into DC? We could do, yeah. Um, so it's definitely something, you know, he, it, as an expert, we can we can go into that space. We have delivered DC chargers for customers at, on commercial sites where they wanted mix. So it's definitely we could, something we can do. Um, we have designed and built our own product in the AC space just because it was probably an easy entry point. There is a lot more going on in the DC space, um, a lot more complexities, software and things like that. So it would take a lot more to step into that. But you know, we're a technology company. Um, we can we can do a lot of things. So you know, maybe that's something we would look into for the future. Definitely. Right. And annoyingly, there's also different standards for cars. Yes. And charging connection. Yep. Can you explain yes. that? Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go through those. So there's two areas, and I'll probably discuss them soon. There's the modes of charging, and then there's the connect types. So the modes of char charging. There's sort of four in New Zealand. Um, so mode one, which is basically think about it as your sort of home plug, and this is also AC. And then that's where you're connecting directly to the plug, to the car, and there's no real sort of protection in between. Um, so that's actually not allowed or not recommended in New Zealand just because that is a live wire. It's continuously live, and so there's no protection. Um, mode 2, also AC. So that's where we actually have an, a protection on the cord. A lot of the time people see that as their box that's on their charging cable, their home charging cable with their EV. Mm. So there's lots of protections in there. It just means that there's no nothing live until there's been a sort of a, a handshake between the car and what's going on. Um, again, it's it's safer, but it's probably not recommended for long-term charging. Um, people do it, it's fine, but you can see sort of plugs overheating. Uh, it really does depend on the up, upstream infrastructure in the home, you know, being perfect for it to be fine you know in a perfect world it's very safe 
However, you know, I've seen plugs that have gone sort of rusty and therefore, you know, heated up because it is a, is a lot of power draw coming through that socket. Um, it's a bit like putting a kettle on for eight hours. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's not redesigned really for that. Um, and then we have mode three charging, which is basically um, your standard sort of home charger setup. Um, and that's also AC, um, the sort of wall box that you have on the wall. But it's also what the Hecatron charger is. That's also mode three. So one, two and three, all AC um, and all sort of um, have different levels of, of safety. Now, the home so mode three, coming back to that, the home charger, that's actually on its own circuit. Um, and so, again, really sort of all the cabling has been designed for that power draw. Um, and also an EV charger then has a different connector. That's all been designed for that high power draw over a continuous uh, time period. So really, that would be the safest option for your home setup, but also for what we do um, with Hecatron. Everything's protected. Every socket is individually protected. And that's really where we want to sort of aim to have people sort of setting up at home and anywhere, really. Really, we need all those protections. Um, so those are the modes. Mode four is then DC charging. So that's that fast charger right. setup. So that's that's where direct current is fed directly into the, the battery. And so that's that's set, that's set up. Now, the connectors. <laughs> and this is where it gets complicated again. Does this start to hurt people's heads? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> it does. Right. With the connectors, I guess you've got to compare it a bit like the plugs that you see in other countries. It's all sort of come about because that's the standard locally. And so that's what we've we've done. So CCS1, which is um, basically the fast charging method used in America, um, I think it's called the combined charging system. So that is um, combining a DC socket with an AC socket. Um, and the AC socket as part of that standard is, is a type 1 socket. So CCS1 is with a type 1. <laughs> and that, that type 1 AC socket is actually linked to the Japanese um, standard. So they just adopted that in America, basically. Um, but it means that the plug is all in one sort of um, hole, so you could just plug in into the same sort of uh, socket. Um, when we look at CHAdeMO, which is another standard, um, that is come from Japan, um, and that has actually two different sockets. So I don't know if you've ever looked at a Nissan Leaf. It has sort of a DC fast charging socket in one side, that's the CHAdeMO socket, and then the Type 1 socket is next to the charging, so that's actually not a combined system. They chose to put the socket separately. And it's just how it was designed. <laughs> so it's just come, come from that. Um, and then we have CCS2. So this is actually the standard that was adopted in New Zealand. And we have some clever people here in New Zealand that actually said we are going to set a standard, which is great because it means that now any manufacturers that sort of import vehicles to New Zealand and they're selling them new, they sort of comply with that standard. And that's CCS2. Um, now that is that has a its own AC standard, which is the Type Two socket, um, and that also combines both sockets into one sort of port. Um, and the great thing about that is that yeah, like I said, new cars now come to New Zealand with that standard, and so we don't have all these different standards popping up. Mm. Um, so um, the the difference also between the Type One AC and the Type Two um, AC is that in New Zealand you, we have a lot of three phase. In America, they didn't have that, so the Type 1 socket suited that environment. The Type 2 socket here in New Zealand, going into three, it can go up to three phase, and so that's why that standard was sort of generally adopted here. So we're starting to see how the standards sort of follow what the original sort of, you know, standards are in terms of electricity of the, of the area. So, mm. yeah. But, <laughs> so the, it's tempting to think, 
I mean, wouldn't it have been lovely if, if, if the world just decided on one standard? Yes, it, it would. And I think Charon are really trying to, which is an organisation trying to sort of, you know, promote this. Mm. They did try and do a lot of work. They're, they're actually the organisation that sort of set the standards here in New Zealand, which was great. But then you've got things like, you know, foreign imports that come in. So we, we've, we had a massive you know, Japanese import market here. Actually, I think the Nissan Leaf was mm. sort of, you know, and might still be the most popular car on, on New Zealand roads. And that comes obviously imported with old standards, so the Type 2, sorry, the Type 1 socket AC and the Chadamo for DC. And so as a charge point operator, we kind of need to cater for that market as well. So you do need to kind of offer both. However, yeah, we will see the Type 2 um, CCS really sort of take take off because, yeah, yeah, even the Nissan Leaf now new import for New Zealand, the fast fast charging port will be, is, is CCS Type 2. Yeah. So, net net, were were we to buy an electric car <laughs> in New Zealand today, would we be able to charge pretty much anywhere we wanted? Yes, yeah, you would do. Uh, CCS is CCS Type Two is supported widely, um, and I think that's also where um, we've designed our charger to not have cables attached, mm. um, and that's actually a, one of the reasons why. So. Um, having the Type 2 socket and not having a cable attached to it means that any car can plug in with the right cable that they bring, up, they bring along. So it's a bring-your-own-cable system, mm. um, also recommended by NZTA. Um, it's just a better means of sort of plugging into a, into a charger when you don't need to have a cable attached. Um, and with AC chargers, there is sort of not really that need to have cables attached um, just because the speed is sort of at a maximum. It's 22 kilowatts, so the cable is rated for that. Um, and... It means that we don't have tripping hazards. It can be really slender. So when we look at things like on-street charging, we want to keep things neat. We really want to reduce the on-street you know, infrastructure. So um, having that sort of socket-based system really, really helps that. Mm-hmm. Um, last question then, mm-hmm. Stephanie. Where, where do you expect the market to grow? I mean, there are uncertainties around government policy as we speak. Mm-hmm. But uh, as we said earlier, electric cars are on a roll. So do you expect them to keep rolling and how fast? Definitely. So I think um, government policies won't affect much what's happening in this space. Uh, we see that overseas as well. Um, obviously, the clean car rebate was it was great. Um, it really did boost um, the uptake of EVs here in, in New Zealand. I think a lot, of peop- a lot of time people miss the fact that it actually impacted the manufacturers more. So we actually had more vehicles on offer here or types of EVs on offer here in New Zealand than we did in Australia. I think that's still partly the case. So it really does mean that New Zealand is on the map with a policy like that um, to sort of, you know, for manufacturers to send the EVs to New Zealand. I think that's actually where it made most of a difference. Obviously, there was the big question, you know, political question is whether we should be, you know, funding people that can afford EVs. That is definitely a whole another topic we need to think about. But um, I think any government policy will sort of help, but it's not going to stop this sort of movement, definitely not, because ultimately New Zealand doesn't dictate the car market. Um, you know, we've got commitments in Europe, we've got commitments in the UK where they're going to sort of end the sale of new cars, and I think New Zealand's not going to be sort of changing <laughs> any of that, so it's definitely coming. Um, sp- speed is another factor, so obviously having government policies definitely speeds things up. We've seen that in overseas more mature markets. We've seen it here in New Zealand. Um, it would be nice if that continues. But again, I don't think it's going to stop anything. But yeah, that would definitely speed it up. Stephanie Smith O'Callaghan from Hegatron, thanks for joining us on This Climate Business. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to This Climate Business. If you like the show, please rate us as it helps others to find us. 
Tiziano.